Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like to find out more about us, then visit mind-springs.org. for me to um, disagree with Pema Children, but I think what she's saying is essentially correct. Um, I think what I know of certainly the way that Trumpa, her teacher, taught shamatha, it was always paired together with vipassana, so shamatha vipassana, so there was this cycle of steadying, but then also opening, steadying and opening, and that makes total sense, I think, for the, you know, the the beneficial nature of interruptions because I, as I constantly say we're not meditating in order to become good meditators we're all meditating in order to become kind beings that said I, I think that many well I don't like to speak for you you're probably all very advanced meditators but for many for many people and myself um, I can kid myself quite profoundly about how steady my mind is. That is to say, I can very quickly go, okay, now I'm, now I'm steady, now I can just be open to all things, and I can go with my thoughts, and I can go with my, you know, follow my thread. And uh, reading, going back to the Theravadan teachers, to the Ajans of the forest tradition, they're very um, <clears throat> realistic about the nature of human minds. And that actually, for many of us, that wanting to have um, freedom within the constraint of shamatha often undermines the benefit of shamatha. Mm -hmm. That is, shamatha is really about constraint in some sense, but it's a constraint that leads us to great uh, steadiness and the ultimate source of mental power which is being able to stay with what's happening and um, you know Pema Chodron is a very advanced practitioner um, and for many of us I think the the training of finding the bliss in steadiness is a great um, gift this is why I like to think about the mantra and the absorption of the mantra as a gift rather than some sort of punitive, like, uh, straitjacket. We are, of course, intending to steady the mind. We are choosing not to follow sort of wormholes and loopholes of, of thinking and um, uh, freedom-seeking. But... The, the outcome or the, the, the purpose of that, that constraint is beneficial is um, because actually in staying still, in staying peaceful and steady and one-pointed, we access this great roiling, boiling furnace of goodness in ourselves that the distracted mind, the wandering mind, 
can never find. It's that old Tibetan image of the person who lives in grinding, um, lacerating poverty, not knowing that underneath the floor of the hut where they live, there's an enormous golden Buddha. That, that we can, well, I can kid myself that I am, you know, uh, plugged into pure awareness or formless awareness. But actually, if I really look at where my mind is, I'm in a sort of lather of maybe slightly Buddhist-tainted thinking. <laughs> Some sort of subtle distraction or spaciness. Or, you know, I'm, not, I'm not really unified. My heart, mind and body are not unified. And so I, I suppose I would just caution against picking up the Vipassana part of the Vipassana Shamatha cycle too quickly. That the insight is, of course, important to recognize that you know, we can cling to these states of, of bliss and that we can, you know, if we get irritable when someone disturbs us, then obviously our practice is going in the wrong direction. But nonetheless, if we don't pick up the gold, if we don't plug into the warmth and the peace, uh, then the insight tends to be very brittle and thought-infested and ego-infested. Paradoxically, resting and unfolding in this lake of stillness, the self-refreshing lake of stillness that is right in the core of our being, allows us the, or gives us the confidence and the fuel to let go of self. But there's a danger that we can kid ourselves that we're uh, ready to do that and it's actually just more thinking or, or more difficult to spot its dissociation. Where we're just like... <laughs> we've just completely disengaged. All the cogs are spinning but actually nothing is happening. And this, I think, why, is why the teaching on karma is so important. Is It's not nothing. Emptiness is not nothingness. Um, when we're in the, in the state of pure awareness, everything is still going on, but we can, if you like, oil all the cogs with the oil of love and compassion. But if we pretend that, oh, there are no cogs, there's nothing happening, there's no world, there's no me, then this is, I would say, this is wrong view. So it's a, it's um, it's a very profound practice, uh, and it's not the end. It's not the ultimate practice, but neither is it trivial. In fact, it's very difficult to get to the ultimate practice in a long, in a lasting and sustained way, without this fuel. I would say, and certainly the the Theravadan masters and nuns and. I was thinking the other day, it was so, such a shame that there's not an English word, a female equivalent of master that isn't mistress. Because <laughs> obviously many of the masters are female. And many of the kind of great teachers are female.
thank you for listening. And if you'd like to join our live sessions, you can at mindsprings-practicespace.org. Also, if you feel inspired to give us a review or a rating, we'd really appreciate it. It helps other people find us.